Hello there. Welcome to From Skirts to Scrubs. I'm Alicia. And I'm Charlotte. And we are two medical students trying to figure out our place in medicine by looking to the past and to current events to try and understand the impact they have on us as women in medicine and as women in general. Yeah, and you can find or follow us on social media. We have an Instagram and a Facebook, which are at From Skirts to Scrubs. We also have a Twitter, which is at FSTS underscore podcast. And you can also check out our website for more information on our episode, show notes, sources, and more, which are at FromSkirtsToScrubs.com. Yes, and you can also subscribe to us. You can leave a rating and review, and Apple Podcast is the best place to do that. But I think you can also leave some kind of review or rating on Spotify as well. Yeah, you can. Now, welcome back to episode three of our mini series, um, which I recently saw on the podcast, My Favorite Murder, that they call their mini episodes, mini-sodes. I think oh, that's, that's fun. So cute, right? And I'm not sure if it's just like a My Favorite Murder thing or it's like a podcast thing. So I want to figure out if it's a general podcast thing because then we should say mini-sodes too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, the third episode of women as monsters is based on the sphinx today i'm pretty excited about this episode the sphinx is um like a simple concept but it transcends to like so many different ideas and things so i think it'll be a fun one but before we get into it alicia what do you know about the sphinx yeah i'm also excited about this episode i don't know that much about the sphinx i didn't even realize for a long time that the sphinx was identified as a woman so yeah. I just know interesting, that this, interesting. Yep, I just know that the Sphinx is half lion. It's like a lion with the head of a man. I guess it's not a man. I don't know. I <laughs> now I'm questioning everything. Um, <laughs> but that was like the definition that I had heard. And mm-hmm. I just know the great Sphinx is in Egypt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's, that's all a good I got. Place to start. That's a fantastic place to okay, start. Okay, thanks well, for that validation. Let's, <laughs> let's get into it. We're going to talk about all of the things that you mentioned. Okay. So the story of the Sphinx is tied to many cultures. So its origins are probably like tied to more like the East Mediterranean and Western Asia. But the idea in general span, I know, right? No one knows like exactly where it came from, but it spans across like Europe, Egypt, and even like went a little bit into India at some point. Hmm. Before we get into like all that, what the heck is a sphinx? The best way to describe it, I think, is that it's kind of like a platypus. Like it's just like a bunch, (laughs) just like a bunch of random creatures that are put together into one creature. You know, oh. like if a sphinx and then like a platypus. Yeah. Like a platypus. Oh, like how it has like a beaver tail and yeah, it's like it's a mammal. Like, oh, it's so random. Okay. You know, you see, and like the sphinx, I'm picking on, up what you're putting down. <laughs> the sphinx like put on a detective hat. It would be like Perry the sphinx. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was my only joke I got today, guys. <laughs> you can stop listening now. Ba-doom-tsh. The sphinx is a creature that basically has the head of a human, the body of a lion, and the wings of like a bird. It could be whatever bird mm. that culture wanted. And throughout history, the Sphinx was often um, like a guard for entrances of to like roads to 
buildings, homes, things like that. Like the Sphinx like guards things. Mm-hmm. And more specifically, we can talk about the great Sphinx of Giza, which is like the giant Sphinx sculpture in Egypt. That's like right next to the pyramids. Mm. So as you mentioned, Alicia in Egypt, like the myth of the Sphinx is actually a male, like human. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Head. I was like, oh my God, am I making yeah. this up? No, you're not. It is a male in Egypt. Um, and it said that like specifically the great Sphinx of Giza was built to look like the Pharaoh Caffrey from um, 2,500 BC. Mm. And if you haven't brushed up on your Egyptology lately, Caffrey <laughs> was <laughs> the Pharaoh from the fourth dynasty of the old kingdom. So like back around 2,500 BC. And he actually built the second biggest pyramid in Giza. So he built a pyramid and the Sphinx. Mm. Um, so like the Sphinx is supposed to be made in his image, apparently. And in Egyptian, like how that ties into Egyptian myth is that like Egyptian mythology says that the Sphinx was like, in a sense, like the Holy Trinity, which is like a a Catholic idea that there's like three entities basically that make up like one major part of the religion. So like you can worship three things, but they're all representing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So people are like, okay, the Sphinx was kind of like this in Egypt so those three things were one, the solar lion, who was their war god and like the god of the sun. Oh. His name was Mahis. Oh. And he often like took the form of a lion. So that's one. And then there was also Horus, who's yes. the god of like the sky and like god of the pharaohs. Like he's the, he's the big dude. And then there's also like the current pharaoh, the ruler, who's like the face of the sphinx and like basically as each like Pharaoh would come, the Sphinx, you know, the idea of the Sphinx would be in the image of that Pharaoh. Oh, interesting. So, Right. So in Egypt, then like the Pharaoh, of course, was like the ruler of the land, but also like the divine ruler, because you're supposed to be like, you know, you're placed there by Horus or whatever God would have placed the Pharaoh there. Mm. So having this ginormous Sphinx, like built to look over the city with the face of a ruler on it, it was like a really powerful symbol of like representing their gods and um, having like control and divinity that guarded Giza, just like how a sphinx is supposed to guard places and like homes and roads. There's this giant sphinx like guarding the city. Okay. But interesting enough, apparently more like modern geological studies of the great sphinx have claimed that based on different erosions of the statue, the, it actually might date farther back than 2,500 BC. It could go all the way back to like 10,000 or 5,000 BC. Whoa. So like way, way, way older than predicted. That's like almost four times older than they originally thought. So this is where it gets interesting and why we're talking about it in this episode. So now we're going to turn to Greece and this Greek myth of the Sphinx can be dated back to the Bronze Age of Greece, which is actually like around... 3500 BC. And this makes sense because if they probably picked up this myth from Egypt and from like Mediterranean trade and travel, because all the countries around the Mediterranean, especially in the Bronze Age, were like really interconnected and their cultures like really crossed a lot. And so they, Greece probably picked up the idea of the Sphinx from Egypt. So it makes sense if like they were so into it that they built like this giant statue of it around that same time. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But for the Greeks, the Sphinx was not like 
this giant guardian of the kingdom with the face of a ruler, it was actually a woman. Oh, yeah. That's why we're talking about her today. She actually had kind of like what the other Sphinx had. She had a body of a lion. She had the wings of an eagle. And, but she also had the tail of a serpent, oh, which is like a I'd heard of that. Yeah. Greek thing. I've heard of that. Yeah. So she has like the head and like the chest of a woman. It's like from navel up oh, is like okay. woman. And then like down is lion apparently. But I don't understand like where the lion and the serpent starts. If like the serpent is like the tail. There's got to be like, you know, like, is it like one third human, one third lion, one third serpent? I don't know what the ratio is, but. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's what she looked like. <laughs> Cute. Yeah, I know. And so the Sphinx was the daughter of Orthrus, who was the, a two-headed dog in Greek mythology. Not to be confused with Cerberus, who uh, is the three-headed dog. Okay, okay. Thanks for yeah, clarifying. Yeah. You know, yeah, super important. Because, like, Cerberus was the, you know, probably the inspiration for Fluffy for Harry Potter. So very different than Orthrus. And then her mother was, um, they're not really sure who the mother was supposed to be. They think it could be like Seto, who's a, um, a sea goddess. Um, it could also be Echidna, who's a half snake woman, mm. or Chimera, who is a she-goat. So they're not really sure. But somehow the Sphinx was produced. You know, the world is full of mysteries. And she came out with this like platypus type of creature. Like it makes everything. And specifically in the myth in Greece, the Sphinx was part of um, like the myth of Oedipus, like Oedipus Mm -hmm. Rex. And she was the guard to the entrance of Thebes. And she would stand there and guard the city and pose this riddle to anyone who passed. Mm -hmm. And the riddle was, which creature has four legs in the morning, two at noon, and three in the evening? Man. And if you... Alicia, you can't give away the (laughs) riddle answer. Come on. Okay, but basically, if you couldn't come up with an answer for the riddle, the Sphinx would kill you. Oh, <laughs> she would just kill you. She'd be like, "You're stupid." No, and then I would murder you. If you walked by the Sphinx and the she gave you the riddle, you were like, "I'm I'm doomed," because no one has solved this yet, except for me. Until Oedipus came. Oh, <laughs> until Alicia came, I did it. Oh my God. Okay. Actually, from now on, we're changing all of the words to Alicia instead of like these Greek people. <laughs> so this Oedipus, Rando is from like he's Oedipus Rex. He is from he has his own myth, like his own full story. That's basically like he was destined to one day kill his father and sleep with his mother. So in an effort for his parents to make sure that didn't happen, of course they gave him away or something like that. And eventually he grows up and he is going to a kingdom and he kills the man of the king of that kingdom and then marries the queen and then finds out later those are his parents. Like that's the quick synopsis of his mess. But on his way to do that, he's like going to Thebes and he runs into the Sphinx and she like poses to riddle to him. And this is like not a direct quote, but I'm pretty sure it went like this. So he, she was like, hello there, small man. Are you coming to Thebes? I'm going to pose you this very simple question. And then she rattles off the riddle, like as usual. She's like ready to strike him down and be like, I'm the boss. And then he like steps up and he answers and he goes, man, just like Alicia said, <laughs> man, <laughs> a man who crawls on all fours as a baby, 
then walks on two feet as an adult and then uses a walking like stick and old age. And the Sphinx was dumb struck. She was, she was like shooketh. Oh, she was like, oh my God, he, he, he got the correct answer. This never happened. And in her horror and rage, she kills herself. Oh God. I know. Isn't that what? crazy? I did not know that. Yeah. That's like one adaption of it, but it's like the one I saw the most is that like, she kills herself. And, and like, that's basically the story of the thing. Cause like that's, that's the end of her story because she dies. Oh, she did die. Um, I know. And there are mentions of her in other cultures. Like I mentioned, she like made it all the way to India, but there's not like distinct myths about her, like in Egypt and Greece had, but she is like um, a lot of statues and like engraved in images that are like on walls and in near doorways. And it's always someone who's like a half human, half lion. And this has been seen like across the world. So like the idea of the Sphinx is like leaked into many cultures, which is kind of cool, but never like specifically as a woman again, like in Greece, like that was a very distinct story of her being a woman. Um, and yeah. Sorry. Do you know what the Sphinx, like if she represents anything now, or do we just kind of like think of her as part of history, particularly like Egyptian history or. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Okay. want to quote from a book actually that's called women and other monsters building a new mythology by this woman named jess zimmerman she's actually been on the show spirits oh that's a great podcast yeah that's where i learned like about her and then i like looked into it and i have her book downloaded for me to read and i just haven't read it yet but anyway she states in this book women have been monsters and monsters have been women in centuries worth of stories because stories are a way to encode these expectations and pass them on, which I thought was so true. And also more specifically, the Sphinx is a story of a woman who knows something that men do not and is being demonized for it. Mm. The Sphinx as a woman knows something that men do not. And they're seeing her as this like monster who's like killing people and like consumed by the power of having knowledge Mm. and this makes me think of like how so many women in power today are often demonized Mm -hmm. so alicia is there anyone that you personally like think is demonized in cultures today like a powerful woman but it's actually someone that you admire well i think like to try to flip the story yeah i mean i think like the first example that comes to my head or like came to my head was when hillary clinton was running for office And she was like so aggressively demonized by everyone didn't even end up making it to office. And Mm -hmm. I just, the like amount of shaming that she went through was so much more than her male, Mm -hmm. like the people who preceded her. And it was, I just remember like, that was so, they were attacking not only her ideas, but her values, her like personal story, her history. It was just like everything that she did was so wrong. Um, Yeah. Of course, this is like the game name of the game in politics, but I remember it being like a particularly gnarly. Yeah, it was particularly bad. Yeah. 
because that is how politics works. Like you do get torn apart. People calling her like like a nasty woman. Yeah, she was like a nasty that. woman. People, like and then people and then people like took the term back after. Yeah. I was thinking of her. I was also my example is so basic, but I was thinking of like Taylor Swift. Personally. Oh my god, I hate you. <laughs> I love Taylor Swift. I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. And but for real, like especially during that whole Kanye thing, she was like so demonized. Everyone like hated her. It was like popular to like hate her like so much. And it literally like drove her like take a step back from like fame for like a whole year. Like her life is just being like terrorized, basically. She was yeah. thinking like death threats. But she's also one of the most like successful female artists there is in the last like decade. And she has been her entire life. And she's just like a really, we'll just like demonize her instead of, instead of like admiring her for her work. Even if you don't like the music, like you don't have to like everyone's music, but you can still admire people for like what they put into it. And I think she's a good example of like pure hatred and going into a a woman just because she's like really powerful and like has done a lot in her life. So I don't know. Valid. It's true. It's yep. valid. Um, I think too, like there's a bandwagon effect when it comes to just like getting on board with hating someone. And a lot of the time, like it's easy to be like, yeah, this, she sucks. Like she, she doesn't stand up for this or she like chose to do this wrong. And it's like, you weren't in her shoes. You don't know what she was thinking. You don't know why she did what she did. So. Exactly. Yeah. So that just reminds me of the Sphinx as well. And then to quote another like person, classicist, um, this woman named Debbie Felton, she said, um, it like pertaining to the Sphinx, it spoke to men's fear of a woman's destructive potential that they fulfill a male fantasy of conquering and controlling a female. And I think that concept is like so true that yeah. men are like terrified of powerful, intelligent women. And they compensate for that through controlling women. And that's like reflected in society so strongly today. And like, I really see it in like working women that like trying to control women who like are trying to be successful in their careers as a way of like being terrified of women being in power. And I think like Hillary Clinton is a great example of that, but even like more broadly, just demonizing like women who put careers first, women who like choose careers over family or like are seeking promotions instead of taking a step back to care for if they do have a family there's so many like barriers that are in place that don't allow women to rise in the workplace there's no paid maternity leave it's hard to like leave a job and return to a job more specifically in medicine like if you're in academic medicine and you leave academic medicine you haven't like published in years like there are people who are going to be put in front of you as you are in the job market again yeah not because you're not a hard worker and you're not smart, but because you took time for yourself, whether it was family or whatever reason you took for yourself, it's really hard to like get back into it. And I even think that's like true with everything going on with Roe v. Wade currently, how access to abortion allows women to succeed in their life and like go farther in their life than they maybe ever thought possible. And trying to outlaw that is like controlling women. Absolutely. I was wondering if you have any thoughts on this matter, Alicia, on the whole concept, any thoughts? (laughs) Oh, I mean, I think like the, the concept of controlling women is just an inherent thing that we have like almost accepted as a society, or at least like something that I, I recognize is that goes on in probably ways that I don't even see, um, and controlling women's bodies and, and that's just been inherent. That's like a thing throughout history, the through line. You can, you can see that as far back as probably like 
Mesopotamia. We're like going to go as far back as we (laughs) try to go usually. (laughs) Um, And it's really so fascinating the way that it kind of reminds me of the quote you said before of like how we're socialized to do this. Like the way that history presents it is like us perpetuating these stories um, mm-hmm. and like trying to take back ownership of that is, is like an uphill battle, but yeah, no. And even like the story of Jane Roe and like that, get, that's like all its own thing. Cause it's like so complicated, um, in terms of like how the feminist movement played into that. And it's definitely like not perfect, but thinking about how like women perpetuate ideas of controlling women is also like very much real oh so true also if you want to learn more about rose story the the daily the new york times podcast just re-released old episodes i think they released it was probably a week ago now but it was like two episodes that talk about the story of roe v wade and more specifically like the woman who is like roe and then also like how the idea of abortion and that woman was used as in like a culture war between like women. It's really, really good and interesting. And it's exactly what you're talking about, Alicia. Yeah. So if people want to learn more about it, like a thousand percent go listen to those. I was grocery shopping and listening to them. And I was like, so shook because I was walking around Meyer. So highly recommend because I totally agree. So, and then lastly, I was just like, do you have any additional thoughts just from like the whole story? Of- uh, one thing that just struck me was like kind of based off of what you said about the Sphinx having knowledge that the Sphinx being a woman who has knowledge that man does not have. Um, I think that that's really interesting because there are so many things that based off your culture, your background or your gender, like you have lived experience that m- other people do not. and. Mm-hmm. especially in this way, if we're considering gender, like women do have these lived experiences that men just don't have. Um, and that is not valued at all. And even in this story, mm-hmm. it like was flipped around on her where it's like, she had this knowledge and then she couldn't even bear to stand the fact that like a man. Yeah. It was like a power. Right. And so and then like she just, just combusted and like killed herself. Um, when in reality, yeah. like women do not do that. Women persist and like they or share their knowledge yeah they share the knowledge yeah trying to like yeah. steal knowledge you know? yeah so I thought that was an interesting yeah. thought too I like the sphinx I think it's a cool story I also like how like the gender changes over time um like why why did the Greeks pick it up and make it like a woman like were they in a really like weird moment where they like weren't really sure how they felt about powerful women and then like they made this like story about a powerful woman like I don't understand kind of cool yeah that it changed genders I don't I don't see that much in mythology no no I yeah but um yeah I just want to end this episode with like an adaptation of the sphinx and Oedipus interaction um this this like adaptation is a little different than like the myth I said but I'm still gonna say it because it's from a poem from 1973 called breaking open and I really like it so it goes Long afterwards, Oedipus, old and blinded, walked the roads. He smelled a familiar smell. It was the Sphinx. Oedipus said, I want to ask one question. Why didn't I recognize my mother? The Sphinx said, you gave the wrong answer. And Oedipus said, but that was what made everything possible. And she said, no. 
But when I asked what walks on four legs in the morning, two at noon and three in the afternoon, you answered man. You didn't say anything about women. And that said, but when you say man, you include women too. Everybody knows that. And Sphinx said, well, that's what you think. Ooh, that's good. Ooh. That was really good. Drops the mic. Let's out a pisco. <laughs> that was, that was good. If you want to subscribe to the podcast and learn more about different women who are viewed as monsters and talk about why they're not actually monsters, then go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. And you can also leave us a rating and review, which Apple Podcasts or Spotify are great places for that. Yes. And you can follow us on social media. You can check out our website for more information on show notes, sources, merch, all that good stuff. And of course, we want to give a shout out. Um, to the women who fought for us to be where we are today. And may we do the same for those who come after us. Yay. See everybody next time. Bye.